But it's great to be joined uh, now by one of the best setup men of his generation, three-time World Series winner Jeremy Affelt. And uh, he's here to talk about uh, the playoffs. And also, let's just start off with, I know you love beer. Uh, tell us a little bit more, Jeremy, about Free Rome Brewery. I'm looking at that uh, buffalo there. This is uh, this is your own beer label. How fun is that? Oh, man, it is awesome. We're... Uh... We are having a good time down here. We just put up our sign and our trademark uh, hop head on the on the uh, front of the building, and we got Oktoberfest. We're launching on Saturday down here in Bernie. We're shutting down Main Street, and we got festival stuff, and we've got food and other other breweries joining us along with some great music. It's going to be an epic time, and it's just a part of my dream. When I retired, it's what I wanted to do, and I just haven't found time or or felt in the right place, and I finally did it. And, uh, took a risk and pulled the trigger, and, and uh, I'm super excited. It's, it's uh, part of my legacy. I want to leave for my boys and uh, trying to do something good for a community, and we're able to do it. I'm super excited for it. That's very cool. And I was kind of thinking, like, if you if you do something like that, do you want to get a beer that's perfectly suited to you? Like, let's say you like Pilsners, but the people want IPAs. Are you giving the people what they want, or are you making your own favorite beer? No, we're we're doing a bunch of different things here. We've had uh, some great opportunity to. Uh, I, I've been able to grab. Uh, so I'm sure everybody's familiar with 21st Amendment, and uh, one of the uh, general managers there and one of the head brewers in 21st Amendment have come with me mm. uh, to do this project. And obviously, they're very good at making beer. But we've got. They spent the last year moving down here and learning people. Like we want to bring some of the West Coast IPAs to this market. We feel like it's an untapped market here in Texas at the time. Obviously, they, they, they're doing some stuff, but we feel like we've got a little bit of a market to, to kind of create some pretty amazing beer that way. But then also, it's a big lager area. Uh, and the good thing for us is Jaron has won the silver for his lager. So he's a big lager guy, and it's a German town, so we're going to do some hefts, and we're going to do some blondes, obviously. And uh, But like I said, they've been down here researching, talking with people, talking with other breweries, just trying to understand what, what it is that is going to work down here, along with trying to introduce some people to some uh, new scenarios uh, that we feel will be safe and uh, in a good situation. So we're pretty excited for the whole setup. That is exciting. And by the way, I won't take that clip and make it out of context when you said we're going to do some blondes. <laughs> yeah, please don't. <laughs> yeah, Blonde beer. Blonde beer. Blonde beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I know it's impossible to root for the Dodgers. You're probably rooting for the Cards, but deep down, how amazing is it that we're going to get Dodgers-Giants now? Well, it's going to be a great series. Uh, and it is amazing. It, it, it is creates intensity. Obviously, I, as, a, as a Giant, I, I'd rather see the Cardinals. I think there's some pretty cool history in the playoffs with those two teams as well. Uh, the, the, somewhat of the sad thing, I would say, is how it's, this is the problem with the wild card setup, but also the situation that uh, I'm glad both these teams are in the playoffs. If you didn't have a wild card situation, you would have had a hundred and what six win team not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been like the weirdest thing ever. But you also have now the first ever, which is really cool, and I'm sure it's great for marketing and baseball and everything else. But you have two five plus win teams facing off each other in the playoffs, which I don't think's ever been done. Uh, so you have a first in, in Major League Baseball, which is hard to do. First in Major League Baseball are a very difficult thing to do because we're so far into the game and so many years into the game. So to see this is history. Uh, so it's going to be pretty awesome. I do feel the two best teams in the National League are playing each other a little early. It shouldn't be a division series. It should be a championship series. So 
uh, that, that I feel like that was kind of a uh, kind of a messed up deal. They might want to look into on records and, uh, and and stuff like that in the future. But it is a good thing for both areas, LA and San Francisco, both cities that have taken some. You know, you know, all the whole countries run a rough road. But if you look at California and you look at San Francisco and L.A. and 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 you got a lot of, there's been a lot of just tough times in those cities' lives the last few years with fires and COVID and just all these different scenarios. That it's just a really cool deal to find these two teams now and the community and the amount of people now that have just something to just celebrate and cheer for and get ready for and look forward to. Uh, it, it is an amazing thing. And that's what baseball does to a community. And this is the best thing for communities have rivals battling off in the playoffs. It's going to be pretty awesome. A couple more questions for Jeremy Affelt. I admire the fact that your postseason record, I mean, 33 games with an ERA under one, that means this wasn't just some Monday night against the Rockies in April. This was the bright lights, the, the heart racing faster, the sweat pouring more. Why were you able to raise your game and be better in the postseason? Yeah, you know, I think that question has been asked of me several times, and really there's not a huge secret to it. I think it's a mentality. Uh, like I said, I, you know, I, my ERA and my numbers in, in the regular season throughout my whole career were kind of up and down. Sometimes they were really good. Sometimes they were okay. Sometimes they were terrible. And sometimes they were just, you know, a good reliever's ERA. You know, there, it, it was all over the map. Uh, and the playoffs obviously was different, but I just treated the playoffs, and maybe it's how I thought. So going into the regular season, I thought I didn't want to give up a run. Every game was on the line for me. It was like I, I took a pride in doing my job, and when I didn't do it, I was pretty upset about it. And that didn't change in the playoffs. And I think what happens a lot of times with some of these players is in a 162-game season, they relax, say, you know, i got a long season. I'm just going to kind of play it out. My numbers are going to be my numbers, and I'm just going to play. And all of a sudden, the playoffs come, and all of a sudden, they feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't just play. I've got to be better. I've got to be Mr. October. I've got to do this. I've got to hit a three-run homer with nobody on base. I've got to strike out the side when I haven't even thrown a pitch yet. You know, like, there's just so many things that take place in the playoffs mentally that cause people to do it differently. And they get tight sphincters. They, they, they go out there, and they just, they're just like, I don't you know, and they, they're almost kind of scared. Or they're taking risks they shouldn't take, swinging at a ball that they know they wouldn't swing at normally, hoping that it'll be, uh, it, it'll be the game-winning hitter, I'll be a hero, or make, trying to make a pitch that I know I can't make, that I shouldn't, trying to throw a 3-2 curveball when my curveball's not working, but knowing maybe it'll just work this time and it'll just look amazing. Like, they, they try too much. Mm-hmm. And I went out there and just said, all the pressure's on the hitter. They have to get hits, and they got to score runs to win a game. The pressure's on our hitters, the pressure's on their hitters. As a pitcher, I have to throw a quality strike. My game does not change. I still throw balls down the zone. I'm going to throw my breaking ball. I'm going to try to get them to chase. Uh, I'm going to try to keep the ball on the ground. So, Because it, it, for me, if the ball is in the air, that could easily mean a homer. And I always, my thought process was you can't hit a ball out of the ballpark when you hit it on the ground. So I wasn't going to try to, I was trying not to give away a free point by giving up a homer. I, I was trying all those things. And for me, I just kept my mentality the same. And I had some great defensive plays behind me. Obviously, we've seen, I mean, I mean, game seven, panic, Crawford play was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I've had, you know, I had some great defense. Uh, I, I tried to just put the ball in play. And what I saw was hitters tried to make things happen. 
They, they second-guessed themselves at the plate. They took more deep breaths than they normally did. I observed everything. And if I'm looking at a hitter that usually takes one deep breath before he steps in, now he's taking two or three, he's trying to calm his heart rate down. I looked at that as like, okay, I'm going to keep it sped up as much as I can because when the heart rate's sped up too much, they make decisions they shouldn't make. And, and that's how I thought about it. And I didn't take too much time between pitches because I didn't want them to get too comfortable. I wanted to keep them rushed, and I, I tried to force hitters to call timeout against me. Uh, and, and that's how I did it. And, and it worked. And obviously great defense. And you have a manager that matched me up against some amazing guys. Like, he wouldn't put me he, – he said it. He's like, man, there's certain matchups that you're going to succeed in, certain ones you're not. Uh, and then there was a couple times where he had to leave me out there where he probably wouldn't have kept me in against a certain matchup, but my stuff was – you know, it was pretty good, and I was keeping pretty calm out there where he felt like, you know what, you'll be able to handle him just fine. But for the most part, Bochi was pretty smart when he used me, and so there's a lot of credit due to him as well. So my defense and my manager put me at the right time kind of was, for the most part, you know, what what helped. I just had to keep my mentality correct. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great answer. You really explained it. we got time for one more question here, and I remember when the – the three batter minimum came in, and they said, "Oh, there's no more Javi Lopez's, no more Jeremy Affelts." I got a little overblown. We still have lefty specialists and such thing. And I would think, as a reliever, and most of you guys are former starters, you're like, "Good, I want at least three guys." Yeah, no, and for me, I actually face righties better than lefties. Hmm. If you look at some of my splits, it was like because I had a sinker that kind of had a true sink. A lot of lefties, when they throw a two seamer, it runs away from a righty. Well running away from righty just levels their bat and they can still hit those balls the other way. Uh, it runs into a lefty, which jams them. But I had balls that kind of went, in, you know, away and down from a righty, causing a lot of ground balls, balls off the end of the bat, miss hitting balls at the, on the bottom of the barrel, causing, causing grounders as well. So I, I, I didn't have a problem facing righties. You know, I think Bochi, you know, he tried to use me in a lefty situation or a switch hitter, forcing that left-handed hitter to go to the right side. Because a lot of times with switch hitters, their batting average is a lot better on the left side because they've got to focus more on that swing. Their just power is on the right side. And I, I, I just try to take away hitter's power. That was my whole skit when I was out there. I just try to get you to miss hit a ball. I didn't need to strike you out. I just need you to miss hit it. And so that was my mentality, and I faced a lot of that. I, I think I would have loved it. I, I, it would, there was a couple times I got pulled when I didn't want to get pulled, and, and it would have forced Bochy to probably leave me in there, you know, but – uh, I, I think it, it can be a good thing, but it can be overthinking the situation, too. And they're trying to speed up the game. But you look at, I mean, Manfred's honestly, in my opinion, has messed this game up. He's not, he has not helped this game. He's made it worse. But I think that it didn't speed the game up. If you look at it, it's actually longer. Like, because, you know, so it's like yeah. everything you're doing is you're taking away from the history of the game that made this game click, thinking you're going to speed it up. But in the meantime, you've actually you've made it a longer game, actually. And, and, and you made it less, less of a history, less of a pure game. And it's not helping. I, I don't love some of the stuff that I see in this game. I'm actually happy I'm not playing in some, some instances because I wouldn't have been able to, just as a veteran guy, I would have probably ended up retiring just because of the way they were make, changing the game. But there's other areas that I do like about it, so that I think I would have flourished in and had some fun in. No doubt about it. Jeremy Affelt, three rings. And remember, check out freeroamebrewing.com down there in Bernie, just outside San Antonio. Exciting times. Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, guys. All right. Good conversation. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back on Byland. 